All right, hey guys, welcome back to the Relay Bitcoin session today with another very special and interesting guest out of the Bitcoin world, uh, hoping to get some very uh, deep insights of another OG, uh, a, a person who is uh, in the Bitcoin space for a long time, uh, in, uh, involved in a startup in a Bitcoin company. We have here uh, Douglas Buckham, uh, the co-founder and CEO of uh, Bitbox. Well, actually, the company is called Shift Crypto, but mm -hmm. your main product is called the Bitbox, which is a Bitcoin hardware wallet that we as Relay actually also um, um, uh, propose or suggest to, to buy for our uh, users. Obviously, everyone can store their Bitcoin as they wish, but we think uh, that Bitbox is actually the best uh, way to uh, to safely store your Bitcoin um, in a cold uh, hardware wallet. Obviously, if you buy Bitcoin over Relay, then you have it I, either you have it in the Relay wallet, which is a hot smartphone wallet, you can uh, use that for a couple of hundred bucks but, uh, and for a couple of sats. But if you um, stack sats and get uh, a bigger Bitcoin holding, then it would be ideal to put them somewhere uh, safe, uh, which is uh, uh, a hardware wallet like uh, Bitbox, for example. And we also sell them through the app and you have also the opportunity to buy in the app or set up a savings plan in the app directly to your Bitbox as well. So we, we are partnering with them and I'm very happy to have you here. Thank you very much for the time, Douglas. Yeah, thank you very much for the invitation. Awesome. So maybe quick uh, introduction about yourself. Where do you come from originally? What brought you to Switzerland? Because we're sitting here <laughs> in a studio in Switzerland. You don't seem like the typical Swiss guy. So where do you come from? How do you, did you get into Bitcoin? How did you get involved with uh, Bitbox and Shift Crypto? How do you founded the company? Yeah, let's see. Um, I guess we're aiming for uh, around a half hour talk or so. Um, I could talk about that for a half an hour, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll try to give you the quick story. So um, yeah, I'm not Swiss. I'm originally from America, grew mm -hmm. up in Wisconsin. Um, and uh, I guess my background is academic. So I've um, been in school uh, for as long as you could be. So I actually have a PhD in neuroscience and neuroengineering. Mm. Uh, and that's how I ended up in Switzerland. So I actually came here to go to um, uh, to be a scientist at the university at ETH Zurich. At ETH, oh nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's what I came here to do. Um, and yeah, so how, how does a neuroscientist become interested in Bitcoin, right? So I think, you know, Bitcoin itself is extremely fascinating, extremely powerful. So it doesn't really matter what your background is. Once you dive down the rabbit hole a little ways, you're probably going to get caught. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that happened to me. Um, I would say the first time uh, that happened was, I think, 2013. Um, and I happened to be in Japan at the time. Mm -hmm. I was in, living in Japan before coming to Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And I saw Bitcoin on the front page of a Japanese newspaper, very well-respected newspaper. I was like, this is really, really strange. Mm -hmm. um, why is this monopoly money on a, a getting this publicity like that? And so I went to research it. Uh, and having, I guess, an academic scientific background, I kind of grasped uh, pretty early on uh, some of the implications of it. What really attracted me to it was this idea of uh, uh, solving an unsolved problem in computer science, so mm -hmm. the Byzantine general's problem, which is, to put it really simply, it's basically how can you trust um, someone, uh, you know, they talked about wars and uh, Byzantine generals before, but with respect to Bitcoin, how can you trust or not have to trust someone on the other side of your internet connection when they send you money? 
How do you know they actually did send you money? Uh, how do you know they didn't double spend it to someone else uh, where you can lose your money? And Bitcoin solved that. And so it solved the issue of trust on the internet and finally solved uh, the issue of being able to transfer money safely. Mm. Uh, and I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, I didn't know if Bitcoin was going to work, but I knew that this idea was going to work. Mm -hmm. And it was just a matter of time, not mm -hmm. a question of if, but when. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I got into it. And I guess, um, yeah, if, you know, studying, studying the brain also is pretty fascinating, special thing. Um, but I've always been attracted to things that I think can change the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the brain is one, I think Bitcoin is another. And if I stayed in academia, my next step would be to become a uh, professor. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't sure I'd like that. Uh, and so I thought, okay, there's this Bitcoin space. Um, sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'd like to do that. Um, how can I get involved? I didn't think anyone would hire a neuroscientist. <laughs> so, and also, there were not really Bitcoin companies hiring at all. Yeah, that also. <laughs> <laughs> so limited options. And so I just decided, okay, um, try, to, try to make my own company, cool. give myself a job. And also, you, you're in the exact right spot here in Zurich, uh, because mm. obviously, so then if you were 2013, you were in Japan, so maybe 2014, 15, you came to Zurich? Uh, actually, um, 2010, so I was back visiting Japan. Ah, okay, cool. So, yeah. and then you already had kind of some connections to the very, back then, very small Bitcoin community. I remember then it was probably like, I mean, I was, I started being involved 2015, then it was a couple of hundred people. So probably yeah. 2014, 13, it was below, yeah. um, below 100 people, but a very strong community already that uh, the, the, the founders of um, Bitcoin Swiss and BitT and all these guys and later crypto finance and all these guys were already uh, probably involved. Were, were you in this kind of community in these meetups already? Uh, yeah, so, um, well, I started making um, a hardware wallet by myself. Um, mm. And at that time, the concept of a hardware wallet existed, but um, there was none on the market. And also at that time, there's a lot of um, scams in the industry mm. around hardware specific specifically. So, for example, mining equipment, mm -hmm. um, people send some money to buy mining equipment and it would never show up. You just mm -hmm. you just lose your money. And so I thought, okay, I don't know if hardware wallets are ever going to come around. So I just decided to make my own. Mm -hmm. And then it got to a point where, yeah, I had a, a, a prototype working and then um, so, okay, uh, maybe, you know, someone else is interested in this. And then I started finding um, like the Bitcoin Zurich meetup. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say around that time, we'd just meet in a cafe, um, be like maybe 20 people maximum mm -hmm. on a good day. Lucius Meister, for example, maybe. Sorry? Uh, Lucius Meister, for yeah, example, Lucius, probably yeah. Lucas Betchard. Yeah, yeah. These guys were Met those actually guys. also in this podcast already. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, even Peter Wuley was uh, yeah, coming through right. every now and then. You mm -hmm. know, some really big name people mm -hmm. are coming to Switzerland mm -hmm. uh, and to these meetups. Mm -hmm. uh, Andreas Antonopoulos right. um, and so on and so on. And uh, coincidentally, um, yeah, another big name, Jonas Schnelli. Um, right. Met him there and we just by chance happened to live in the same city mm -hmm. in Basel. Uh, and yeah, I, I gave a little demonstration and he's like, this is important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, we connected and then we uh, co-founded Shift Crypto, uh, co-founded the Bitcoin business. 
All right. So Jonas Schnelli, who were, were afterwards uh, probably most known as uh, one of the core developers and maintainers of yep. the Bitcoin code for a long time. He actually just stopped it a couple of weeks or months ago, but mm -hmm. he did it for a very long time, one of the most important tasks. And uh, so he's more, more a software guy, more a programmer, computer science guy. And then yeah. you were more uh, taking care of the, the hardware. So basically a perfect, uh, perfect yeah. fit, right? Yeah. And he, yeah. I mentioned I've been in academia my whole life, but mm -hmm. he avoided academia mm -hmm. <laughs> as much yeah. as possible. I think he started his first company in high school okay. uh, and was a businessman also. So he had uh, yeah. a lot of good um, yeah, insight into how to do business. Yeah, uh, so I think there's a good match there also. Mm -hmm. So you guys still, so he is not operationally involved anymore, as I understand? No, he's not operationally involved. Both shareholders and... Um, yeah, we still, we still communicate uh, regularly. Mm -hmm. And so he, he helps... Uh, uh, advise the company also okay. I seek his advice often interesting cool so how did uh, the story go from uh, you two basically uh, experimenting with uh, a couple of hardware wallets uh, <laughs> to now being one of the top three hardware wallet providers in, in the world basically right or at least in Europe um, yeah it's hard to know um, yeah what spread but at least in Europe I think mm -hmm. we've we've caught on quite well mm -hmm. especially the German speaking area um, and yeah, let's see, when we founded the company about five or six years ago now, um, mm -hmm. yeah, six years ago now, uh, and in 2016, we came out with the Bitbox 01, mm -hmm. originally called the Digital Bitbox. And at the time, it was just basically Jonas and myself. Um, and yeah, he, he has uh business uh background but it, at his heart he's a technical guy software guy um and yeah myself also being more more technical um prior to neuroscience I was mechanical engineering learned some coding and so on uh we both uh i guess thought we could do everything ourselves <laughs> overconfidence mm -hmm. uh, and i think we did quite well we launched the bitbox 01 actually sold it to customers in about 100 countries even wow. even in 2016 hmm. and um yeah, and then, but we quickly realized that there's a lot more to, to actually running a business than just um, making a good product. Mm -hmm. Was Ledger and uh, Trezor and these guys were they around already by then? I think so, right? They also started around then, no? Um, yeah, I don't remember exactly. We're a little bit after them. Mm -hmm. uh, I think um, probably 2015 is when they actually started mm -hmm. uh, shipping. Uh, maybe a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. and so we we're shortly after them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then, yeah, no one really knew about us for for a number of years uh, because uh, technical guys kind of underestimate marketing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so um, the Bitbox One's now retired, uh, and we've launched the Bitbox O Two, mm -hmm. uh, uh, quite strong uh, product, I mm -hmm. think. Uh, and that's been out for maybe two years. And so mm -hmm. with that launch, we also uh, put a bigger focus on marketing and, you know, uh, it, yeah, being technical people, you always kind of hands off about being too pushy and things like that. Mm -hmm. But then the thing is, if you have a product that you really believe in, you know, you should tell the world about it. Exactly. You want to yeah. get it out there. Yeah, it's always, it's always as, as you said, technically, it's also always underestimate marketing. I think business guys sometimes yeah. overestimate marketing <laughs> and then uh, uh, pretty much um, uh, neglect a little bit the product side. So yeah. it's, it's always good to have this mix. So I guess you can have the best product in the world, 
But if no one knows about it, you're not mm -hmm. going to have a successful company. Mm -hmm. um, conversely, you could have the best marketing in the world, and if your product is just so-so, you probably have an okay company. Maybe an okay company, but then you, you get a lot of users or customers, but then you also lose them. So in the yeah. end, you will never be big. You need, yeah. you need both. You need yeah. both, yeah. Uh, uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, very, very, very cool story. And so how, um, how do you think about uh, storing Bitcoin more, more generally? That's something I, uh, I think about a lot. And that, that's also why I think our two companies, and we can talk about our partnership later a little bit, but that's why we, we match so well. Um, because you guys focus on storing and we focus on uh, getting into Bitcoin with your fiat money to acquire Bitcoin. So people always want to, uh, once they understand it, they want to acquire it and save more and more of their money in Bitcoin. And then obviously you also want to hold because Bitcoin is usually not held by a, a bank. So you can actually, you don't need a bank to hold your money. You mm. can hold it yourself. So you focus on this problem. We focus on the problem of uh, getting people uh, into Bitcoin as easy as possible with uh, uh, no friction at all. And then you uh, uh, focus on storing. So I, I would like to learn more about how do you think about storing? Where are we now? Maybe where are we going? Is this already the the end of the story that, okay, people have a Bitbox, they save their, um, uh, they have their own keys, they save it on there, uh, on, on, on the uh, hardware wallet, which is, air-gapped, so no hacker can basically um, uh, access it and then they are safe. Some people also still hold it on crypto exchanges, uh, which is not a good idea. Some people hold it on hot wallets, which is, uh, you know, uh, okay for small amounts, but maybe not for bigger ones. Some even, uh, some banks start to offering custody services, so some people might start uh, more and more saving and uh, storing their coins with banks. How do you see this overview now and how is this going to develop? How are people storing their Bitcoin maybe in 10 years? Yeah, 10 years is a long time. <laughs> but um, I would say even six months is a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, trying to predict where uh, like the Bitcoin ecosystem is going um, is uh, in the broader cryptocurrency ecosystem is uh, yeah difficult. I would say um, yeah, just some thoughts there. So you listed a, a number of different ways um, to store Bitcoin. I think there's maybe a, a few different aspects to that. One, of course, is security. Uh, so you don't want to lose your coins. There's a common saying, not your keys, not your coins. So you should hold, possess your own keys. That's what our company tries to do. Um, tries to make that as simple and as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. Another aspect is privacy. Um, a very important one. I think it's underestimated a little bit in the sense of um, do you really want like other entities to know like your whole financial history? Because mm. with Bitcoin um, and any cryptocurrency really, um, you have the public blockchain, uh, but the public blockchain means anyone can look at it. And so if they can link your identity to your address, they can basically see your whole financial history. Mm. Um, see what you buy, what you don't buy. Yeah, maybe some people will say, oh, that's not important, things like that. Um, but then that leads to um, a third issue, which is uh, censorship. Uh, and so if you don't hold your own keys, you're subject to other people giving you permission to spend your coins. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, just in the news last week, uh, Tether, who have a, a stable coin for US dollars, um, they just uh, locked uh, an account. They just froze it. Uh, and the account had about a million dollars in it. And in the press release, they say, yeah, we do this all the time. There's hundreds and hundreds of accounts we just freeze um, mm. randomly. Uh, well, not randomly, but when whenever they sus have a suspicion. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think, you know, why are people interested in, in Bitcoin? Or what, what's its really fundamental value? And that is uh, being decentralized and permissionless uh, is how I see it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, there's the, the, the economic aspect of uh, uh, fixed supply and anti-inflation and things like that. Um, which is great, uh, but I would say that's that's more secondary. Where the important thing is to allow people to um, actually have access uh, to to money and to financial freedom. And so, if you're in Switzerland or if you're in the United States, um, maybe this doesn't hit home as much as as other jurisdictions. Uh, but then you can go look around the world, where you have hyperinflation in in various countries and governments. Uh, uh, basically, you know, with inflation, it's kind of you know robbing from from their citizens, uh, their life savings. Mm -hmm. um, in um, yeah, in Jordan, for example, um, Venezuela, Argentina, and when you look at these countries, you actually see um, the use case and adoption uh, for Bitcoin. Now, Lightning really um, greases the wheels for that, mm -hmm. and um, it's important to um, uh, allow people to have some say over their their future, mm -hmm. uh, rather than just being subject to governments often, which become corrupt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just Bitcoin makes money peer to peer and in control of uh, of, yeah. of the individuals. Um, and before, like fiat money was basically in the control of the governments yeah. and the banks because you get you could not do any financial transaction without uh, basically asking for commission or without using government and um, uh, financial institutions. And now you can, with, yeah. just with software. Yeah, and as far as um, uh, securing coins, your original question. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, you guys are doing a great job at step one of the user journey, which is just buying, buying Bitcoin. How do I get involved? Uh, we're at step two of the journey. And what's the best way to uh, safely hold uh, mm -hmm. your coins, uh, not be subject to confiscation, um, and so on and so on. And I think that's with hardware wallets. Um, where I see um, uh, the issues, uh, I guess uh, security is the most obvious aspect there, where, um, yeah, you can have your coins on exchanges, um, but if you look at the history of exchanges, there's billions and billions lost every year. Uh, due to uh, exchange failures. So early on, there's a lot of hacks. Uh, more recently, it's exit scams. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, a few different countries now in, in the last months uh, where um, there have been exchange and then the owners just run off with the keys and everyone, everyone's um, out of luck. Uh, and so I think one thing people don't really understand is with, with cryptocurrencies, and this is what makes it special, but it also makes it um, a bit risky is that gone is gone. Mm. And so I think people get used to uh, being able to offload responsibility onto other entities. Um, like for example, if you lose your password to your email account, there's probably a way to recover that. Uh, and so people don't quite 
grasp it yet, in, in my experience, the new people uh, entering the space that, okay, if, if you have Bitcoin, if, if it's gone, it's gone. Uh, and with exchanges, um, yeah, people say, oh, I'll just put it on exchange. And then, you know, this exchange has insurance and um, they can kind of, you know, if something happens, I'll be able to get my coins back. Uh, but that's not the case. Uh, in Coinbase, uh, the largest exchange in the U.S., um, also in the news a few months ago, um, people uh, losing login access to their account. Um, and so, yeah, you, they can hold the keys, they can manage the keys, but you still need to access the account. And so it's still the same problem. You have to keep your cell phone safe. Mm. And so with some uh, SIM swaps, uh, various hacking where people can take over a phone, uh, basically, they can get your login access uh, to Coinbase and then drain your account. And mm. gone is gone. Coinbase mm -hmm. can't get that back. Mm -hmm. uh, and in their terms of service, you're out of luck. Mm -hmm. So the insurance fund's not going to give you your money back either. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you could have the absolute perfect security and exchange, but there's still these, um, um, these risks. Mm -hmm. they, they don't disappear. Mm -hmm. And so the concept with hardware wallets then is to... Uh, try to solve that risk um, by basically, uh, yeah, if people aren't familiar, hardware wallet is um, basically a miniature computer. You stick it into your computer, connect it to your computer. And the idea is that it's pretty simple. Just the keys, these important things, these keys to access your Bitcoin, they're generated inside of the hardware wallet. They never leave the hardware wallet. They're always inside the hardware wallet. And in that way, they're not susceptible to malware or hackers uh, that could access uh, your computer or your mobile phone. Mm. And so I think, um, where is the space going? Um, I think it's still going in that direction that um, you need a way to protect uh, these keys. And the only way to do that is by um, basically uh, reducing or make, making it impossible as impossible as possible. <laughs> That's interesting words. <laughs> um, for like all this malware and hackers to access it. And so it has to be an offline device that's uh -huh. personally held. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But don't you think that pe because people, how they are now um, storing their uh, investments, let's say, for example, stocks or even savings, most mm -hmm. of the people, they work with a bank, mm -hmm. right? So now these crypto exchanges are coming where they offer to store um, your, your, your Bitcoin uh, on it. And then there's these hardware wallets, but they are both kind of new and for, especially for beginners, uh, you know, kind of kind of strange and, mm -hmm. and look risky because also if I lose um, my, my hardware wallet or access to my hardware wallet in some way, obviously with, with your setup, you have hardware wallet itself, you have a, a, a chip, a backup chip, and then you have your um, password. And so, if you only if you lose two of them, you've you've lost your uh, your Bitcoin. But it can happen. And mm -hmm. Some people are kind of scared to really take this responsibility. So yeah. what they know is how to work with banks, and banks still have a very good trust um, uh, with 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 their uh, customers. So obviously, millennials and younger generations start to losing uh, the trust with them. But still, uh, I think for this use case of um, um, holding your assets, they, they still do a, a pretty good job. So don't you think once they um, 
catch up. The banks are catching up, which can take, still can take years. I think we're at the very beginning of, of this story, but at one point they will catch up and all the banks will offer uh, Bitcoin trading and custody. Do mm. you think that people still will um, decide to hold their own money um, or, or maybe do both? So for smallish amounts, they will hold always kind of a, a backup of their savings with their own hardware wallet and maybe have the bigger chunk with banks or how do you see this evolving? Yeah, so I think uh, it's true. Um, people are used to the concept of a bank um, and having you know their online dashboard into a bank. Um, but I think the, the big difference here is um, gone is not gone when it comes to um, money on your credit card or money in your bank even, uh, where transactions can be reversed. Uh, and there's a lot of fail-safes put in place. Uh, and that's because you know, it's, it's, not, it's not decentralized. So there's central points of control that can reverse uh, bad actions. Mm -hmm. um, and so for that case, yeah, banks, completely fine. I think for uh, Bitcoin then, where gone is gone, and I think the, the Coinbase example I gave uh, before uh, fits in here is, an, is a strong example that, okay, it's not, a, it's not the same. Mm. Um, I can see like exchanges and banks being a stepping stone, uh, but then um, the issue is the same. It's how do you now protect the access uh, to the account? Mm. And I think in that case, uh, maybe in the future, it could be not necessarily um, um, custody of your coins given to an exchange or custody solely to yourself, but maybe like a shared custody model mm -hmm. um, where um, you basically um, no longer have a single point of failure uh, for your, your self-responsibility or mm -hmm. for the exchange, but you kind of share um, this responsibility uh, where you split the, um, the access uh, to each. Mm -hmm. And I, I think hardware wallets can have a, a role there because that's exactly what they do. They're, they're made, designed to secure uh, Bitcoin. Um, but really what that means is it's just securing some kind of access key, some kind of um, just random random number. Mm -hmm. And that random number can be applied for cryptocurrencies. It can be applied for login. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, thoughts out there about how to um, do what's called multi-sig, um, where you don't need only one key, but you need multiple keys. And so uh, dividing those keys up between different entities uh, could be could be a way forward. Yeah, absolutely. I also think what, what, what is interesting is that what scares people is, oh, I am the ho I am the owner, uh, and I am responsible for these mm. seeds, for these seed words, uh, or for this backup chip, or whatever. I'm responsible for for storing this, and if I lose it, I lose all my money, and that scares people. Yeah. But uh, as you mentioned, then um, there are now ways to uh, have have multi-sig also between different. Uh, parties, so pe different people that you really trust, like your parents, for example, or whatever. Also, to institutions you trust, like uh, mm -hmm. banks. So you could think of, um, okay, I hold uh, one part of the key, but then my mom holds part of the key, and uh, my bank holds part of the key. And then if I lose it, these two can come together and re and, and and back it up, or or things like, okay, I can share it with 
five of my close relatives and friends that I trust. And I, if I lose my access, I can get, or if I lose my phone, if I lose my hardware wallet, I can uh, ask three of them to come together, obviously in the digital, very simple way, mm. um, software-based, and then they, they basically come together and re help you restore your uh, fund. So it's actually a, a social storing mm. option, which I, I think is pretty pretty interesting. Do you yeah. guys think about that, or do you, do you see this coming in the industry? Do you maybe even work on uh, things like that for a Bitcoin uh, 03 or something, uh, Bitbox 03 or something? <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Um, I would also add, I think, uh, I don't think it exists yet, but I could see insurance actually playing a role also. Mm. would actually insure um, against your own personal uh, mistakes. Yeah. So if, if you lose your, if you lose everything, you lose access, um, uh, there could be some insurance, uh, some creative ways to do insurance around that. And I could see that coming. I know there's some entities that are looking into that already. Okay. Um, but as far as um, yeah, holding keys between different family members and things like that, yep, for sure, uh, that's something we're interested in. Um, the word for that is multisig, which we mentioned a few times. Um, we actually um, uh, multisig is implemented on the Bitbox O2. Uh, currently, it's through third-party apps um, like Electrum and Sparrow and so on. Um, we're looking into putting it into our own app also. Cool. Um, but before we did that, we really wanted to uh, uh, do some research. Before we implement any big feature, we like to kind of research it ourselves. Mm. Like in Bitcoin, it's don't trust, verify, mm. right? <laughs> so we wanted to see what uh, it actually consists of. And so I think at the moment still, uh, we actually wouldn't recommend multisig to new users. Mm. Uh, I think the UX has a lot of work that needs to be done, it's still really confusing. Mm. Uh, and moreover, there's a lot of ways to basically uh, shoot yourself in the foot and, mm. and lose coins. Um, and uh, we, we have a couple of blog articles explaining exactly why mm -hmm. um, and how to implement that. And we actually have a, um, uh, an improvement, uh, Bitcoin improvement proposal out um, or that's being worked on to actually standardize how to do this in, in a proper way. There's, there's an issue, a security issue with multisig. Mm -hmm. Where if you, yeah, um, so it's exactly like you say, if one person loses their key, um, two other people can come together and um, recover the funds or send them somewhere. Um, it's called a two of three multisig. Um, that's true, but the problem is um, uh, the existing, well, there's a couple of problems. One of them is Let's say everyone loses their their wallet, but they have the backup to their own individual key. Um, but one person loses the backup also. Uh, you only have two backups. You cannot recover your coins mm -hmm. with only two backups because you also need information from the third mm -hmm. wallet. You need mm -hmm. uh, what's called the public key uh, in order to recreate the addresses mm -hmm. um, and uh, some of the spending, spending um, uh, information. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, trying to say that in as simple as a way as possible. Mm. Uh, but there, there's ways that are not obvious and that you can shoot yourself in the foot. And mm -hmm. at the time of research, we saw that basically almost all, if not all, um, multi-sig tutorials uh, skip this part. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and so if, in the worst case scenario where you need you lose everything but you have your backups uh, or two of the three backups, you're still, 
get mm -hmm. access to your coins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a big problem that I think both of our companies are, are still trying to solve and it's still not perfect and won't be perfect for, for years. Uh, that just for, yeah, that there are still a lot of complexities that just very, uh, I mean, normal people from the street just, uh, just can, cannot or don't want to get into all, all these complex yeah. uh, details. So it's, it's really about us to make all these things hidden and yeah. very easy uh, for people and for us to acquire Bitcoin and for you to store Bitcoin. And I think we already did first steps, first good good work. I mean, your, your hardware wallet is the, the easiest the easiest to use, but it's still not easy enough um, for, uh, for a lot of people. Yeah, fully agree. So yeah, that's exactly right. Our, jo our job is to make it as easy as possible for people. Um, I think I see, yeah, one of the motivations for me to actually, you know, get into uh, running a company in this space was um, trying to make it easier for other people to join the to join the space. Because mm -hmm. I, I saw there's so much potential here. Mm -hmm. People should be aware of this. Um, but just making it simple to do things was a huge, huge barrier. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm very interested in uh, trying to equip people with the tools they need. Mm -hmm and basically empower them to, to mm -hmm. be able to take advantage of this, mm -hmm. this really fascinating space. Absolutely. How, do you, how did you see from where you got into Bitcoin to now? How did you uh, see like uh, these developments of different people coming in, not only tech people, but also very, uh, you know, just, uh, just normal people, like maybe also from, from your uh, you know, f circle of friends and relatives, and uh, did you did you, what did you learn from them? Maybe uh, how how the how they get into got into Bitcoin. Hmm. Good question. <laughs> I would say a lot of my my friends and family are still not there. Still not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think we're still very very early right. uh, in the whole ad adoption hmm. aspect. Um, I think, yeah, uh, yeah. How, how do people get involved? I, I think what, one thing that uh, I thought was interesting was um, uh, over the holidays, um, I heard that uh, some of my relatives, some of my aunts in the in the U.S., um, their financial advisor. Uh, recommended that they own Bitcoin. Okay. And that I thought was a shock. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's something new. <laughs> in Wisconsin, in the countryside. Um, oh. And yeah, and my, my aunt yeah, retired. Um, you know, so it's important w when you're retired, of course, financial advisors usually try to give you advice, very conservative advice, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, but to put some, some small percentage of, mm -hmm. of the funds into Bitcoin, uh, just as a hedge, I thought that was really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, from what I see in the US, uh, slowly now, and I think more so into this year, uh, is the impact of inflation. Mm -hmm. So inflation seems to be quite significant. In the US, it's crazy, yeah. yeah. Also in Europe. In Europe, it's between 4 and 5%, which is 30-year uh, high. And in the US, yeah. it's almost 7%. Officially, right? Yeah, um, officially, yeah. A lot of people question if, if those numbers are real or not. Mm -hmm. I know IKEA was in the news that they're raising, um, as of the first of this year, they're raising uh, prices on a lot of things mm -hmm. up to 50%. Hmm. 
30 to 50 percent on a number of uh, furniture and mm. other things. Um, and food gets more expensive. You can even see it here in Switzerland where it's quite stable, but food is getting more. You, you can't have a, a lunch meal in a restaurant below 20 bucks. And this, you could have between 10 and 20 bucks. Now this is not, it's not happening anymore. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Everything is getting more expensive. Netflix is getting more expensive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Swiss prices, uh, <laughs> probably not a good. Yeah, maybe that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surprise. Where did you find a place under $20? <laughs> 20 francs. Used to, but not anymore. That's um, yeah, and so, yeah, inflation is, uh, yeah, and you look at what, it's not only this year, but if you look at what's uh, like some of the fundamental things for living, like renting apartments, buying a house, education, um, yeah, food, insurance. Uh, it's not only this year, it's been a number of years building where that's vastly exceeding the mm -hmm. official inflation rates. Mm -hmm. And I think now just uh, the other things are going to catch up this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, that's part of it where people are beginning to realize, uh, yeah, inflation is... Um, it's going to seriously affect my retirement mm. funds. Do you personally then, because of that, own uh, a, a lot of your uh, fund? Do you store a lot of your funds in, in Bitcoin, if you want to talk about it? Maybe even give a percentage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw um, one of your previous uh, interviews where you say you try to get that out of people. <laughs> I, always, I always try to. <laughs> but you don't have to, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to give any any specific uh, percentages. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, having um, some amount that you're comfortable with, having it in Bitcoin makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it also depends on with, with every investment, like because traditional savings is not possible anymore. It used to yep. be possible when interest rates were higher than inflation. Yep. Then you could just save it on your account and then you would have a one, two, three, percent plus every year which is great but now it's way out of control so inflation is very high and interest rates are zero to negative sometimes negative yeah so you cannot really saving i think saving defined by the banks is getting some interest rate on a deposit and that's not possible anymore mm. so now people actually are forced to do investing and with all everything that is investing it depends on a lot of things, depends on your risk profile, depends on your uh, age, like the, the horizon. Your mm -hmm. aunt has another investment horizon yep. uh, and should be more conservative than I because I'm, I'm still young. I still have a lot of uh, uh, time to, to, to wait until things yep. go up. Um, so yeah, depends on, on a lot of things. And I think, yeah, for me, for example, it, it, it makes, it, may, it could make, it can make sense to have a big portion uh, of of Bitcoin because you see a lot, uh, you see a big trajectory uh, for the future in it, um, but obviously also I even even though I'm very deep into the Bitcoin space I don't I don't only hold I know people who only hold Bitcoin that that's not me as well I'm even not over ninety percent I, I still also hold other assets mm -hmm. um, but the majority is, is is in Bitcoin yeah so it it depends it's very very individual but I think uh, more and more people and even more traditional finance people are getting into this mode where they're actually extreme, like Bitcoin focused, like they, mm. they are starting to convert most of their assets into Bitcoin, which I find pretty interesting. Mm. You, you saw that with the nerds a couple of years ago, but now you see it with traditional finance people. And I think you will uh, you will see it also with just normal millennial and Gen Z people that are growing older now and looking at 
where to put their money and they just trust Bitcoin most. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, when you look back at it after being in for a number of years, it's kind of yeah, impressive, right? When mm. you take a step back. Um, and I think one of the, the big things that um, Bitcoin is now achieving is uh, uh, people are a bit more comfortable with it in the sense mm -hmm. of uh, it's not probably not going to go to zero. Mm -hmm. um, it's been uh, hard, uh, battle-tested very hardly. Mm -hmm. um, and it's gone through a lot of, um, uh, a lot of different tests and trials, and it's mm -hmm. still running. Yeah, Bitcoin itself. 100% uptime. The industry, yeah, exactly. Bitcoin itself is, is getting more and more robust, and also the industry around it gets bigger and more professional, like yeah. with companies like you guys uh, being on the market for five, six years now, yeah. uh, having a track record and really gaining momentum, gaining a lot of traction. So this is, uh, this is something that uh, makes us or hopefully everybody feel yeah. more comfortable about also the future of, of Bitcoin and the whole industry. Yeah, so I think um, that aspect was probably a barrier for a lot of the, the money guys to mm -hmm. get in. Uh, but if, if what you say is true, where the money guys are getting in, you know, that's pretty good um, mm -hmm. empirical evidence that, you know, uh, Bitcoin's doing something right. <laughs> Very good uh, closing word from the <laughs> academic guy. <laughs> good empirical evidence that it will do well. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much for taking the time, Douglas. It was really a uh, pleasure and uh, hope, hopefully we can collaborate uh, even, even more closely in the future. Yeah, would love Thank to. You. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man.